Hi there, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Pixies, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Lisa Johnson. She is joining us from Bedfordshire, actually. She's in the UK. I, I've mistaken that. I thought she was in America. So this is even better. We love talking to ladies in the UK uh, who love money. I mean, listen, we don't talk about money enough. And this is one of our uh, episodes in our financial independence, financial empowerment series for women. Such an important topic. And I am really, really excited that Lisa's here with me. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. So uh, talk to me about money and talk to me about your journey from where you were to where you are now and what, what money means to you and also why it's important for us to be talking about it as women. Mine's been a long old journey. So I, when I start thinking about money, it goes right back to childhood as it usually does for so many of us. So I grew up in council housing here in the UK in a very poverty stricken area. And so for me, money didn't mean anything when I was a child. You know, it doesn't, does it? We go to people's houses. We don't care if they've got a big house or a little house. You just don't care up until the age of 11. So I had a quite a happy childhood up until then. Then when I was 11, my parents split up and I got a scholarship to the most prestigious, you know, private school in the area. One of those 50,000 a year kind of things. And I got a scholarship, which to me just felt like this is great. I'm going to get a great education. What I didn't realize is how that would massively affect my money mindset and, and my entire life, actually. So I started and on day one, it was really obvious that I was different to the people that I was in the secondhand uniform. I was the only one that had the little ticket to get free lunch when everybody else didn't. And, you know, they were all being picked up in their Bentleys and their Porsches. And I got picked up on the back of my single father's motorbike. Um, so right from day one, I was different. And you know what kids are like when you're different, you're the one that's picked on. And so I was bullied from that day onwards for being poor. And so I was called worthless and all these different things and couldn't really cope with it because there were so many of them and you know they'd go on their holidays and talk about their holidays and you know, I'd gone to Butlins or whatever to have a week because that's all we could afford and that to us was an amazing thing because we'd save for it all year like my dad was looking after me and my siblings and we were poor but didn't care until the school issue so then when I was 14 I begged my dad I need to change schools I can't be at this school any longer it's like massively affecting my ability to want to go to school and so he said, okay, you can go to the local school. And I went to the local school, but there I was then seen as, oh, it's the kid from the rich school down the road. And so the bullying just continued. And this time it was boys and girls instead of just girls, which is somehow worse. Um, and this time it got more physical. And actually at the age of 16, I had a knife to my throat by one of the pupils while the entire class egged them on, egged her on to, to get me. And I don't know how I got out of that situation, but it actually changed the course of my whole life because I then never went back to school. Gosh, wait, hold on. Like, a lot. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're just like, oh my, I got to stop and just breathe for a second. Wow. So you're in the, the rich school and everyone's treating you like you're the poor girl. And then you're in the, the, the state school and everyone's treating you like you're the enemy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the posh one, the one who, you know, got out and, you know, rubs it in our face. Oh, my gosh. And the way that they treated you was horrific. And then you just quit school altogether. Yeah, I just couldn't rather do that. And so my my money and the talk of money actually has shaped my entire life, because after that, 
I then got married when I was like 17 years old to somebody older because I think I felt so worthless from being bullied all that time that I went straight into a, another bullying situation that turned into domestic violence and so it took three years to get out so it got to this crux where I'm 22 I'm divorced I've been bullied my whole life I then get my first job and I'm like okay I'm gonna make some money I'm gonna do this get my first job and it's an office so there's like 22 girls in this office all in their young 20s and it's next to a factory and I'm terrified of the 22 girls by this point the girls terrified me by now and so I'm there quiet probably looking a bit aloof they decide I'm looking down my nose at them because I don't talk enough to them four months later my boss sacked me and said, we have to sack you because we're worried for your safety and I can't sack the entire workforce. Now, if I knew what I knew now about the law, I would have been very rich back then, um, but I didn't know. So I left my house that day, I went home and I decided I was gonna end it all. Like that's how bad it was for me at that point. Like all I'd known is bullying, like anything I was trying wasn't working, all because of money, all because I'd started off, you know, with none. And so I got a bottle, bottle of wine, got a load of pills, got my tiny little bed set, still on the counsellor's day, and was just like, let's just not bother anymore. And then this tiny voice was like, what if they were wrong, though? You did get a scholarship at the age of 11. What if they're all wrong? What if you're not worthless, ugly, you know, always going to be poor, won't make anything of yourself? And so I thought, what can I do to test that? Let's test the theory that I will make something of myself. I will give myself a test. And if I'm able to do it, then I will let myself live and I will rewrite my whole story. If I'm not able to, I will let myself go and I won't feel guilty about what that's doing to my family. <laughs> I will just let it go. And so I thought, well, what kind of test can you have when you've left school? You've not really got any GCSEs or anything. So I thought, I know, I'll get a degree. And then I thought, what's the hardest degree? Law, let's get a law degree because I'm not interested in medicine. So you didn't even make the challenge easy for yourself. Challenge I can possibly make. Can I, I want to just pause for a second because obviously anytime we talk about suicide, it's really important that we also mention that there's places that people can get help. So Samaritans is amazing and you can text them, you can message them. Um, and so I think we have to just preface that in there. But also one of the things that I've heard very often from people in that situation is that, that small voice. Um, in fact, I was, I was listening to a story last night where someone was talking about their personal situation and their life situation, very similar, um, got to that place. And they were, they, they said they heard that small voice. And I have a mentor yeah. who also told me about a situation, his situation, his life, when he got to that place. And he said, he just felt this overwhelming sense of love, um, and that his life had purpose and that he needed to stay. And I think, um, it's really important, you know, when people feel that way, that they, that they listen to that small voice, they listen to that one little piece that is telling them the opposite of how they're feeling, because that is the thing that, that helps you to realize that your life is valuable and important. And, you know, I'm, I know we're going to hear the rest of the story and we're going to be so glad that you made that decision. But I also love the fact that the challenge you took on was like, <laughs> and also guys if you are ever 
if you're the, I mean, I'm diagnosed anxiety and depression. If you are the type of person that needs a reminder, get a reminder somewhere. I got this tattoo um, of a semicolon to remind myself that it's never a full stop, that things change all the time um, because sometimes we need that reminder. So yeah. yeah I just, I'm just gonna put out there, the Samaritan's um, number is 116123. Call it anytime, 24 seven someone will answer the phone. And there are also texting options as well if you don't want to talk to someone. But it's yeah. so important that you know that that's, a, that's there. So I love, I love that the, um, the tattoo. There's some interesting tattoos out there. Um, I know Rachel Hollis has one like uh, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, I think it, the tattoos, I don't, I don't yet have a tattoo, but I love, so, so tell me what the semicolon means again. The semicolon reminds me that you can rewrite your story at any time. There's not a full stop. It's just a semicolon. It will carry on in a different direction if you allow it to. But often we don't allow it to. We decide, well, it's not gone good so far, so let's full stop it. And that's not what we should be doing. And I'm proof of that. That's amazing. Okay, so your, your semicolon's like, let's go to law school. Tell yeah. me about that. So I decided to get an office junior job because I needed to pay my way through it. So I got an office junior, full-time job, nine to five, and decided that I was going to do it in the evenings. So enrolled, they sent me all these books, said, read all of these books. And then at the end of the year, come and take the exams for four years. So that's what I did. I left my workplace every day and I studied for three hours. I had no friends anyway, so it was fine. I didn't need to like go to the pub or anything. I was like, let's just do this. And so um, after four years, I qualified one mark off a first, got a high two one, and it made me realize that actually everyone's wrong, always about you. And instead of using adversity in your life, whether that's bullying or anything else, to stop you, to hinder you, use it to fuel you. Every time I wanted to give up on those exams, I'd think about those kids going, you were, you're worthless, you can't do anything. And it's like a, two fingers, you know, I, I am gonna do it. And it pushed me forward. So I use the negativity to push me forward. I then climbed the corporate ladder, went into law, went into investment banking, did all these things. And compared to where I had come from, was doing really well. Like people were, were looking at me saying, God, you must be really happy. And then I accidentally got pregnant with twins. <laughs> so love how that happens. <laughs> you know. Accidents, accidental. Um, and so then it was like, okay, I'm going to need to rewrite my story again because I went back to work when they were five months old. I'm a single mother at this point, five months old. With twins. With twins. And realized that I was never going to see them. I was working in investment banking, going in at seven in the morning, leaving at 10 o'clock at night. I was like, I'm going to need to rewrite everything. Let's go back to the beginning. Went and got an office junior job, PA job near my house, 10 to four, so that I could at least see them wake up and put them to bed. And it was there that I was like, okay, how do you rewrite your story if you have to start again? Um, why not start a business? And I knew nothing about business, like nothing. So I thought, well, what can I be? Let's become a wedding planner because it sounds fun and there's cake involved and, you know, it looks glamorous on TV. So let's do that. So I started this wedding planning business and I got 13 full planning weddings while working full time on the first year. So I was doing OK. But at the end of that year, I had this new boyfriend. He was like, let's sit down and work out how much you're making to see if you can leave your nine to five job. One pound 15 an hour. <laughs> I knew nothing. I, wait, hold on. I've totally done that. So I, my husband did the same thing with me because I was building websites. And I was charging, I don't know, like 250 pounds for a website. And I thought it took me four hours to do a website. In my head, I was like, I'm doing, 
take me four hours to do a website. So, you know, 250 pounds sounds about right. Blah, blah, blah. My husband goes, joy, there's no way you're doing it in four hours. Like it's not possible. He said, you need to clock your hours. So the very first website that I clocked was a hundred hours <laughs> and I worked out exactly what you did. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm charging like two pounds, 15 hour. And actually, I think, um, I think it was actually when you looked at the whole picture of what we were doing, I think at one point my salary was one pound 89 an hour. And he was just like, or even like 89 P I can, 89. I remember was a big deal. And, um, Oh, I so relate to that. I so relate to that. What did you do then? So then I was like, okay, at this point, my bank balance is 30,000 pounds in debt. And I'm like, I've gone back to having absolutely no money again and living hand to mouth and living in poverty and having to cut out coupons and all of this kind of stuff. I'm like, I either need to learn about business somehow and, and do courses and things or just give up this dream and know that you're going to be the same as your whole ancestry, your whole generations before you and just live hand to mouth and live in poverty. That is, that, I mean, that is epigenetics. You know, I think that there's a level of I, we were having a really good discussion the other day in one of the coaching sessions about, you know, why is it that women struggle to charge money? Why is it? And I said, well, guys. You know, I mean, the, the oldest grave was just discovered uh, in Africa, 78,000 years old, right? So for 78,000 years, <laughs> women have been conditioned to be the person that takes care of the kids who stays home, literally, and they do it for free and for nothing, right? So, and men have been for 78,000 years, the person, the hunter gatherer, the person that goes out and does the you know, does the work. And, and, you know, it's something we've been conditioned, Definitely. not for 10 years, not for a hundred years, for thousands of yeah. years. And what you're talking about generational poverty is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it's uh and it's a mindset that gets uh, passed on from generation to generation. And you saw the challenge that you had in taking someone from that background and putting them into a totally different environment that didn't solve the problem no. so um generational poverty is something that has to be changed from the inside for the person who's going through it and they yeah. have to say it's time to do something different so tell us, tell us what you did next i mean this is like a this is like a i love this story this is incredible so i said well i'm 30 grand in debt if you're 30 grand in debt what's 35 grand let's take a course And so I took my first course and became an absolute self-development junkie, you know, started reading all the things, going to all the webinars, you know, like we all do. And well, once you discover it, we all do. (laughs) Yeah, because you realize there's so much you don't know. And even just small things like all I had to do in that wedding business is work out my ideal client. And as soon as I did that and rebranded, changed everything. And within seven months, we had turned that business into a profitable business and um, you know, we were getting like really great clients for about a year and a half, fully booked up with perfect clients. So we changed it around. It became the biggest um, well-known UK urban wedding planning company. It's called Carmela Weddings. And that was great. But if you'd have asked me what I wanted my life to look like, I would have said, I want to travel. I'd never been able to travel. Like growing up, I'd never been able to. I want to take my kids abroad. I want to spend time with the kids. What I'd done is given myself a job where I worked every single weekend during the entire summer. Of course, it's a wedding business. It's like, what have I done? This isn't what I want to do. How old were your kids at this point? Probably about five by the time I realized this wasn't what I wanted to do. Four or five, yeah. And so I was like, you know, do I just carry on with this? And 
people had been asking me up until this point for a while, like, how have you done this? And I found I had this gift for just making business simple. I think people make business complicated and it's not really. And so I started teaching people how I'd done things, things I'd learned and all these different experiments that I'd done in my own business. And they started making more money. So four years ago, I thought, hmm, there's something in this. And so I started my own consultancy business, Lisa Johnson, was called Lisa Johnson Coaching until I realized I wasn't a coach, I was a consultant. And um, everything changed from that point. You know, the first year, well, the first six months, I made six figures. The first year, I was making 220,000. So it was great. I had all this money coming in, paying off this 30K in debt, and and everything was brilliant. But then people were telling me, you know, you're, you must be successful. In my head, I didn't feel successful. Yes, I was on the magazine covers. Yes, I was, you know, on stages and all that. In my head, I was thinking, surely success can't mean working this hard, working this much. You know, I'd hit this income ceiling where people were like, I want to give you money. And I was like, I can't take your money because I've got no more time in the day. Like this, I can't do it. And so I realized something needed to change when I forgot to pick up my kids from school in their first week. Um, I had a call saying, you need to pick up the kids. And I was like, shit, (laughs) how have I done this? To be fair, I think every woman who owns her business, her own business, it's happened to. I mean, I, I, I I can't, I mean, it definitely happened to me uh, probably more than once, but just, you know, that is that faithful phone call where it's like, you know, where are you? You Don't don't you know you have a child? (laughs) I know. I felt so guilty. I thought, right, something's changing. So I've got to change something. So I was listening to this podcast and there was these people talking about passive income and they were talking about what it's a myth kind of thing, like this debate. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I started listening to it and went down this rabbit hole of wanting to know everything about this business model that I thought could help me. I spent 200 grand learning everything I could from the best people in the industry on all different types of passive income. Then over an eight month period, I would bring in a passive income stream try and do what people had taught me, things that didn't work, I got rid of, and I'd refine the things that did work and make it better. So at the end of year one, there I am, 220,000 in revenue, doing okay, but working 80 hours a week. At the end of year two, I'm working 30 hours a month, and I'm making well over a million. Whoa, hold on. Oh my goodness. Everything. And I'm now in year three, well, just come into year four, actually. And I'm now still working 30 hours a month and I'm making 3 million a year. That's so amazing. for me, it changed everything. And I travel all the year and all of those fun things. And um, I now help other people to do that. But here's what I find really interesting about that. And this is, this is what I think we have to really um, start teaching women is that they have to invest in themselves and they have to invest in, you know, it's, I mean, there's the argument you got to, invest, you know, you got to spend money to make money. And yes, you could say that that's one of the principles, but the more important thing here, because you can spend the money, but then not take action. So I think what I love about what you just said was you, 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 and I love, the other thing I love is you said I was 30,000 in debt. So what's 35,000, you know, what's (laughs) 5,000 more, but, um, but interestingly enough, when you did make these, this huge investment in yourself and in your learning, then you, like you said, I was able to try different things, see what works, see what didn't, drop what didn't, and then you formulated your own system, mm-hmm. and uh, and and now that system obviously works for you, but it is it's also working for people who work with you, right? Is that- Over two thousand people during the pandemic made income because of what I taught them, which is incredible because so many people lost their income 
in the pandemic. Well, I, I think it's important to talk about that, you know, that podcast that you, that triggered you in terms of, you know, the passive income is a myth. Cause I think there, uh, I think there are a lot of people who think that a lot of people who think, well, that's just, you know, yeah. it's, and it's, just- and it's true in a way, because I think that the, the word is so misleading the word passive. I wish it wasn't called passive income. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Called, like leveraged income because it's not passive. It's a hell of a lot of work that I had to do in the beginning. All passive income is, is no longer trading time for money. So it's building this asset up front. That bit takes time building the asset front to then make money from it over and over and over again. So like if you take a course, for example, like a, a course is semi-passive. So what I did with courses at the beginning was I, I took a load of modules, made them, put them on the Internet. People would come buy them while I was asleep and I would make money. So that's all good. But then I have a massive integrity thing and I didn't feel good about it because I was like, I don't know if they're doing okay or if they've got questions or if they're even getting results. It could be like a load of crap and I don't even know about it. And so I decided to do semi-passive instead, take those modules back and deliver them online. And people are like, yeah, but then it's not very passive, is it? So delivering them online takes me 10 hours. Let's say I do one a week for 10 weeks, 10 modules. It's already written. You know, the, the workbooks are done. The PowerPoint presentation is written. I'm just delivering it because I've built that asset up front. I've written the course. So I'm delivering it for 10 hours. If someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, can I have 10 hours of your time? I can probably charge on a one-to-one basis about 20, 30 grand. But by doing this course, I did a launch of it in October. I make 1.7 million. It's leveraged income. It's still good. <laughs> you know, like, yes, it's not as good as completely passive. And I do have some completely passive income streams, but then more things like checklists, I have a jewelry range, you know, my property business, all of that stuff, passive. Great. But I think when it's you teaching others, I think that the, the really big important thing is that you should get the results that you're promising people. And yeah, 100%. If you're there. I- I have a coach that says you're not responsible for your students, but you are responsible to your students. And I think that's a really important uh, mantra is, you know, I, I'm not responsible for the results, but I am responsible for making sure they have everything they need to get the results. Mm -hmm. And if that includes a place to ask questions and a place to get some coaching around that, it's really important. I love how you said that, that passive income is a myth, um, but it's about creating an asset that you can sell over and over again. And it's, and it's getting out of the time for money trap. And, um, and that was one of the things when we were talking about, you know, when you go from an hourly rate to a value rate, that's what we call it at Tech Pixies. Um, but it's about it's about creating systems that are repeatable. And when I ran a, a, um, a website business, what we we were building custom websites every single time for every customer. And we'd say, go find websites you like and then we'll build that. And of course, that was dumb because you don't know how much someone spent on a website to have it look that fantastic. And then you're not going to recreate that for a thousand pounds or in my case, 250 when I first started. So wow. one. Yeah, I know. I know. So. <laughs> One of the things, I mean, in the end, we got up to, in the end, we got to a point where it's like, okay, it's 5,000 per website. And we had a, and here's what we got to. We had one theme that we would manipulate about 20 different ways. And they, and it was literally like, we would get a sketch pad out and we'd say, all right, here's all the things we can do. But it was within the confines of what we knew that the theme could do. And we could present, you know, 20 different ways to have the website look but it had to fit within like, you know, and if they wanted fully custom, they would have to pay for more. That's the way of doing it because you're, you're then leveraging your time and your, and your skills. 
But the other thing too, is you don't then charge an hourly rate for a system. <laughs> no, you because the whole point is you've worked really hard to figure out that system. And so you sell that system for the value that it is worth, even if what took you hundred hours now takes you 10 hours, uh, but you're able to deliver, a, you know, and this is slightly different than what you're talking about with courses, but I think it's important for people to hear that if they want to get out of the money for time yeah. kind of trap, you've got to create a system um, that makes someone's life better and that makes your life easier and faster. So um, that's super interesting. There's loads of different ways of doing that. You know, you, you are always going to be charging for your experience rather than the time it's taking you to do anything anyway. But, you know, courses, memberships, drop shipping, <laughs> checklists, downloadables, there are a million ways to leverage your time. And, and I've definitely found that courses and memberships and online workshops are the easiest way to take the knowledge in your head and make money from it. Because we all have knowledge in our head, don't we? We're all People say, no, I'm not an expert. And they, they get all scared about, I'm not the guru online and all of that kind of thing. But actually the definition of an expert is somebody that knows the most about a particular subject in an average room. Now we all know something and that doesn't have to be the thing that we do in our business. I had quite a lot of people come to me during the pandemic who were like, I don't really want to do, you know, I'm an empowerment coach, let's say. I don't really want to do my passive income on that. What else could I do? So we looked at their hobbies. And for instance, there was, there was one girl that loved the theatre. So she made a membership because if you love the theatre, other people will love the theatre and people want to be in a community of people who like the same thing. She made this theatre membership. This was in 2019, the end of it. She made um, 600000 in a year from that membership like it doesn't have to be on that it could be about potty training you probably know something about that that I don't you know the first ebook that I ever bought was how to go around Disneyland with two under twos she makes a packet from that because loads of people want that and they can't be bothered to like do all of that military operation of how to get around Disneyland you know? and that's a good point though when you're talking about courses you're talking about shortcuts and what you're doing is you're providing someone a faster way to get there. And it's so interesting because um, most people who know me know that I did um, Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy. Yeah. And the reason that that was such a powerful course for me and got me on the right track was I had a course already, but it was face to face. And wow. when I tried to move it online, I just did what I thought I should do. I had no idea what I was doing. The modules were 45 minutes long, uh, pre-recorded, you know, self-paced. And it was only when I looked at the data, I was like, no one is even opening this. No one is even watching this. Yeah. And, and I was like, something's wrong. Cause I knew it worked in person. Uh, and, and we had online sales, but to me, an online sale had no integrity if the person wasn't actually making progress with yeah. it. And what I did was when I went through Digital Course Academy, when I rebuilt it, we went back several times to the first buyers and said, do you want to go through the new system? Do you want to go through the new system? And, and many of them did. And I'm really glad they did. And some of them are still with us today, um, having you know stuck it out with me with my very first absolutely horrible online course that people were buying, but not starting. And that was important to me was that they actually started it. So um, we'll talk, talk to us a little bit more about passive income and, and the course that you run. And uh, also what I want to talk about too is what the income has allowed you to do. Cause you mentioned you have like a jewelry business, you have a real estate. So why is it important, you know, that women are, are making money and what do they do with it when they make it? Well, 
I didn't know what to do with it when I made it because I'd never had any. So I was like, suddenly I had this money and I was throwing up the wall, just like, let's just travel all over the place and stay in five-star hotels and go to Vegas and gamble it. Because it was like being let out in a sweet shop when you've never been allowed anything to eat. It was amazing. And I realized very quickly that I could use the money to make money, make more money. And so only last year, I just started a property company. So started buying places to rent out. And one of the places I bought is just for my masterminders to use. So they often say to me, oh, I need to finish my book. If only I could get away from the kids. And now I've got this lovely retreat that I can just give them the keys for and go, go do it to get them results. Because for me, so much of what I do is about integrity and about making sure they get the best results they can so that's a great perk for them although it's, it's not making me money as such it is because the more results they get I didn't use Facebook ads until I hit seven figures because I didn't need to because people were getting results and shouting about it that's a much easier way to get new people in so for me I will do everything I can to make sure they make money so things like that have really helped like with the property business um, I spend a lot of it on like I had no pension or anything like that, ISIS, savings, anything like that. So all, lots of it has gone into doing that in this first year and like topping it up to where it should be at this level. Um, and there's all sorts of opportunities. Like, you know, I hadn't really played with stocks and things like that until recently. And now I'm playing with a bit of crypto and that kind of thing. And just having fun with it rather than it being like such a burden to have this money and not know what to do with it. But I also massively invested in myself and now my team. I've taken on a team this year and towards the end of last year, taken on six people, including my sister and my husband. So we've now got to this point where I want to invest in them because the more that they learn, the more they can bring to the company, but also in me. So I probably spend about 100,000 a year on my own training, on, on learning everything else that I need to learn because things move all the time especially mindset wise my mindset has had to take you know some time to get to where I am because my money mindset was in the gutter thinking things like people like me don't earn this kind of money um rich people are bad people look what happened to me at school of course I was going to think that and so I've had to undo all of that and invested in people to help me undo those things but that's why I'm really passionate about talking about money and about showing people what's possible and you know I get a load of stick I am that person that posts their bank statement online you know I am that person that goes hey just hit a million in six months here's how but I tell people exactly how because if I'd had somebody that I could look looked up to that came from the same kind of background as me I would have thought earlier that I could do it but all I saw is people that had money given to them to make money and so I needed to see someone a bit like me, you know, not someone size six coming out of water in a beautiful dress, eating their quinoa salad that it, I don't relate to it. So when I was looking at all of these coaches making this money with their Lamborghinis, I was like, I don't want to be like that. I'm a size 16 normal person that eats chocolate all day like normal people do. What's um, your favorite chocolate? I got to know. I, don't know. I like a bit of everything. Whisper, Twirl, Galaxy, eat at least three a day. Don't ever tell any health coaches that if I do. And so I wanted to really show other people that you can be this like really normal person um, from a really normal background and make a ton of money. 
it doesn't have to be one or the other. I, you know, I still do really weird things. I, ha- I have a, lots of Mulberry handbags. That's my like big splurge. But I carry my turkey drummers around in them because that's what I like to eat. Like you don't have to be one or the other. And I think we're seen as women. Like, if you start posting about money, you're ostentatious or, you know, you only like luxury and all of those things. Kind of like a bit of both. And that's OK. And the more we talk about money and the more we encourage other women to talk about money, the more the stigma for money will go because we're told, especially in the UK, talking about money is vulgar. We're told that from a young age. Don't ever ask someone, you know, it's okay if you're in the pub with your girlfriends and you ask them what sexual position they were in last night. That's totally normal, but don't ask them how much they earn because God forbid. You know, I went up on IGTV. That's okay, it's all good. Um, but it's ridiculous that we worry about asking people about money. Money's really normal. And unless we normalize women talking about it, we'll never make any. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We have to normalize the conversation around money. We have to, especially for women. We just, we have to. Um, so yeah, so tell us more about your program. Tell us what that's, so, what that it is all about. What One to Many is, so it's like a six month big program because when I started, I did a course on how to, write a course like you did and then I did it and I was like yes I'm ready who the hell am I going to sell it to and I was like oh I'll buy a course on how to grow an audience grow my audience how to nurture the audience I'll buy another course how to launch I'll buy another course and I was a bit like is this ever going to end so <laughs> when I learned everything I made one course that takes you through all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle from growing your audience right the way to launching so that people who want to do courses, memberships, have all of it and they don't have to buy upsells. We even give them a done for you bespoke funnel for them rather than an upsell to one. Just I got a team in because the first time we did it, we saw people were stopping around module two and three and we were like, what are you stopping for? And they were like, this tech stuff that you're teaching us is really hard. You must know. People like get confused by the tech. And so we were like, okay, well, what can we do to solve this problem to make sure they get to the end of the course? We'll hire an entire tech team to build individual funnels for them all. And we'll hire people to write their lead magnets and make them look pretty for them. So we did that and it helped. Everybody started moving forward. And then they got to like module A and they were stopping again. We were like, what now? We've given you everything you needed. And they were like, Life gets in the way, you know, motivation goes down when you're doing a course. So we've put them in accountability pods and forced them to get to the end. Now we're getting the best results ever. So for me, this course is just about some people come into it that are already making seven figures. Some people are stay-at-home moms have never had a business. And it's about just taking them through the whole process so they can start making money, but having more time and more freedom. And I have a system called the cash system, which I trademarked because what I realized is every time I added a passive income stream in or every time I taught one of my clients to, I was doing the same thing over and over again. And yeah, little bits tweaked, but it was the same kind of thing that I was doing. So I put it into five steps, cash system, and that's how I teach it. So C from the client, from the cash system is client. We, We already know in a normal business, you need to know your ideal client. It's exactly the same with a passive income business. And it might be a completely different ideal client than your normal business, if you even have one. So you work out that first. Instead of thinking, do I want a membership? Do I want a course? Think, who do I want to help? Who are the people I want to serve? They'll tell you what they want. You don't need to worry about it. So then the A is growing an audience of those people and nurturing that audience so that they become real super fans, you know, loyal fans to you who will want to buy your stuff rather than freebies. The first S is about systems and structures. 
as you know, there's loads of places you can host things like this these days, courses, memberships, that kind of thing. So just playing around and choosing which one you want. And then how you're going to deliver it. I like video, always going to do video. Some people hate video, they're workbook people and that's all good. So working that out. The next S is the most important one. Oh, there's two S's in my cash system. I really wanted to shoehorn everything into cash. one. <laughs> do it. Now called cash. Cash. <laughs> the second one about selling, which we know online is launching. This is the bit most people get wrong. They have a great course. They have a great audience. They put it out there. They come to me and go, it didn't work. I launched it and it didn't work. I said, no one yeah, yeah. And they said, well, I posted a post about it once. Um, you know, it's a six. Yeah, it's a whole system, isn't it? It's a yeah. whole system on its own. Like it's a whole system. Sales is a system, actually. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. So there's that whole bit. And then the H is happy. You need to keep the clients happy because the first time you make passive income, as we've talked about, in passive, you're gonna be doing tons of work. The only time it becomes passive is the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time you put the same thing out. To get to that, you need to get results that you're promising to all of those clients so that they will tell everybody about it. And then you will get more people in. So it's as simple as that. <laughs> I love it. Simple as that. Um, <laughs> gosh, that's so great. I love it. But I just love the journey. And I love the fact that you, you just learned and tried and worked what, even, and I think this is important for people in the course creation space. Cause I think, um, you you either come with a wealth of knowledge you know that you've had over built up over a couple over a decade or so which is what happened to me so when i came into tech pixies and launching our social social media magic course i had been doing social media since 2008 so you know i was already in it all about a decade and no one was and i was 2015 so i've been in it for a while but there was no there were no online tutorials. There were no online courses for that kind of stuff. We had to learn it ourselves very painfully. Mm -hmm. So when I kind of created my system, I was like, okay, what are the foundations? What are just like you, you know, your cash system. I have the foster foundations for social media success, which is a bottom layer, uh, which is the essentials you need to know about social media. So, you know, how do I set up a profile? How do I set up a bio? Like that's a basic fundamental, right? Um, and then you've got, you know, how does the algorithm at work? How does the feed work? And, you know, what secrets are there? Because they don't share those very readily. But what, what do we know about the algorithm and feed? Um, how do I post properly? Like, literally, what are the, like, you know, you look at Instagram and it used to be there was one way to post. You could post a picture. You know, now you can post a picture. You can post a video. You can do IGTV. You can do reels. You can do guides, stories, right? So what we do is we break it down and we say, okay, there's six ways or there's seven ways to post. And this is how you do it step by step, click by click. And that's the, that's the, the third level. And then the fourth level in the foundations, which is, you know, I think about it like building a house on a rock versus building mm-hmm. a house on sand. You know, when the storm comes, the house is still there. It doesn't wash away. It's one of my favorite um, proverbs in the Bible or, you know, whatever you want to say. I don't know. I'm not, and now I'm blanking. Like, is it a proverb or was it just, I think, anyway, it, is a a par- I think it was a parable. <laughs> it might be a parable. <laughs> a parable or a proverb. I'm pretty sure it was a parable, but, um, you know, uh, 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 oh, key keywords. Sorry, I forgot. So the very first one is I forgot my own system. Very first one is the keywords uh, because each social media has a language, right? So it's 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 keywords, bio, algorithm, posting. So those are your four. You know, it's understanding how all that works. Once you've got that down, once you know the language of the social network, you know how to set up the bio, you know how the algorithm works, you understand how to post properly and without fear then you've got that that foundation of your house built then we can start going up 
Then we can start working on engagement. Then we can start working on growth. Then we can start looking at analytics and then we can start actually you know, getting ready to build up that audience that's engaged. And that's where I say, if you know how to do that, then all the rest of it, you can yeah, you know, so right. get a springboard, right? Because that's, isn't that the bit that most people get wrong? Like they have something amazing that they can sell, but they don't have an audience. And without an audience, it doesn't mean anything. And there are so many people out there that are giving this false impression that is like, you know, you can, you don't need to have an audience to sell. It's what a load of crap. You need an audience to build one. <laughs> you do. You need an audience. And I, and it's really interesting. I have seen people start shifting and starting to say like, you need at least a hundred or two fifty. or I actually say to people, and I know people should be working towards 100 and 250 and whatever. I, I, I feel like the conversion rate, like really understanding the conversion rate comes when you've got a thousand, a thousand followers or a thousand on the email list. Yeah. I, and what we teach is um, what, once you're building up your social media following, you want to convert that into an email list. And yeah. I always say the sales are in the mails, you know, like that's where, you know, because your email gets opened up way more than your social media gets seen. So the combination of the two works really well together. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great but way. Do you suggest a thousand as well. Yeah, we talk about a thousand. Um, I'm a massive believer that it's all about the numbers. Like the more, if I look at the trajectory of my business, the more money I've made is the more emails that I have. It's as simple as that. And the more audience I have. Does that mean you can't make money on a smaller list no but if you want to scale especially when it comes to like the more semi-passive things like courses and memberships it is about numbers so build the numbers you know scale that and there are so many ways of doing that I love it um how can people I do you have a podcast are you on social media how can people find you connect with you I know there's going to be a lot of people that this resonates with in our audience yeah. and you know they they'll want to start following you where where do they do that the easiest way is if you don't mind real, you know, like non-curated Instagram stories. In other words, when I'm drunk, you're going to see I'm drunk is on at Lisa Johnson strategist. Um, I try and keep everything real over there. If you want to check, if you are ready for passive income, I have a little quiz, thecashcalculator.com. You just click on thecashcalculator.com, do the five minute quiz. It will tell you exactly which bits you need to work on, whether it's audience or launching or whatever. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I learned so much just, you know, I just, well, number one, I think um, sometimes uh, when you, when you realize how much you spend on personal development, I have no problem with it, but I, I also have people that I'm accountable to. And we have these conversations like, oh my, you know, what, what percentage of your budget should be spent on this stuff? And I think it's really important to actually realize that um, the companies that are growing really fast right now, that are growing in the online space right now, there's a huge amount of wealth being shared. And when I say wealth, I mean wealth of knowledge. Hmm. I mean, the online learning space right now, the, there are people sharing so, so much information so that you get that shortcut to move forwards. And yes, there is an investment, but actually the ROI when applied, and I think that's important to understand. When applied, yeah. The ROI when applied, the return on investment when applied is always going to come back. And actually one of the, I personally think one of the worst things you can do is to, uh, to come from that mindset of, I can't afford this right now, right? And it's not about getting people to pile up a whole bunch of debt, but here's the difference, right? You know, it's one thing to say you've got, 30,000 in debt because you've been buying, you know, TVs and purses and shoes and clothes and, you know, that 
it's another thing to say, okay, I've, I've invested in my brain, right? And, and I'm learning these skills and I'm applying these skills. There's no point in investing in a course if you're not going to do it, right? There's just well, that no makes point. it non-negotiable, isn't it? Like if you're going to invest in something and you know that you are putting something on the line for it, you've got to say it's non-negotiable. I'm going to do everything that person tells me to do. I do think that people that pay, pay attention at the end of the oh, day. Oh, totally. And I also think when you do sign up for something like a course, um, I made the mistake of becoming a little bit of a course junkie and then end up not having my schedule calibrated. And then like where two coaches have their sessions at the same time on the same night. And you're like, oh, what was I? So it's also, it's also being aware of the fact that, you know, do plan your time out. You know, how are you going to do a day of learning? Are you going to do a couple hours every day? Which courses are you doing? How much time do they take? Uh, because it is important that you are able to absorb and then apply. And so, um, you know, that's one of the benefits of planning it out and putting it on your schedule and blocking out the time. I think I learned, um, I think I've really learned a lot about organizing my schedule and my calendar and, and having uh, undisturbed time where I can really just do that. And I've also, you know, again, the beauty of online learning is I can, you know, I can cook dinner and listen to something. I usually burn dinner, but I do, <laughs> I do like that I can do that. Uh, I can listen to stuff in the car, not that I drive anywhere at the moment, but, you know, I can listen to stuff when, when I'm folding laundry or I'm, there's a great book by Adrian Herbert called Power Hour. And I'm sure you've heard of it. We interviewed her for our Joy Book Club. Um, uh, and the interesting thing was, she said, you know, your power hour doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be at 5 a.m. Like it just needs to be the first hour of the day. Yeah. And I love, I love that because it just everyone giving themselves, you know, and, and Eve Rodsky in her book, Fair Play calls it the unicorn time. It's like, so for me, my unicorn time, it's hard for me sometimes to do the early morning thing. In fact, um, at the moment, I'm not able to do it. I'm, I'm just focused on let's get seven hours of sleep. So whatever time I go to bed, let's get seven hours of sleep, which is I, I'm getting into a really good habit of midnight to 7 a.m., but guess what? My unicorn time, you know, that seven to 8 a.m. time, that's mine or eight, uh, sorry, or nine to 10, somewhere around there. But I take that time just for me and I'm able to, to learn and dive into the things that I want to. But I certainly, in the first half hour of the, every single morning is fully mine. Yeah. You know, and just, and just, and, and often to my husband's chagrin, it's often the first full hour, but I, you know, I have my cup of tea. I have my morning meditation. I have, you know, whatever I'm, whatever journaling I'm doing. Um, it's, it's, it's just so important, but scheduling your time and making sure you've got time to take action on the things you've invested in is so important. Yeah. Cause people put time in for the learning, but they don't put time in for the implementing and actually the, without the implementing it's pointless learning anything. Yeah. No, I agree. Our at Tech Pixies, our our modules take like a half an hour max to get through, but what we say is you need eight hours, right? Because the the learning is a half an hour, and then you've got the coaching calls, which are a couple hours a week, so that's you know two hours, and then you've got the mindset piece with me on Mondays, so you're at you're at you're there at three hours, and then you've got five hours to try it out, right? You've got five hours to go watch the technical video library, to work on the take action sheet you know, to chat in the group, to connect with other people. But yeah, we say you got to give yourself eight hours. So, so it's either two hours a day for four days a week. It's, you know, two days with, for four hours. It's one full day, whatever you want, but you organize your time so that you've actually got time for, for doing it. That's a good way of doing it. 
Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And I hope that people go follow you and listen to you and learn from you. Uh, you clearly have figured it out through uh, trial and error. Um, I just absolutely love your story. And I appreciate that you took time out of your busy schedule to come and, uh, and talk to us. And oh, thanks for inviting me. It's been really nice to chat to you. Well, I know a lot of people will get a lot out of it. So thanks again. Thank you.